You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one, welcome all. It is Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. It is 7.01 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, but really, time is pointless um, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan like we are here at Blog on the Boys. This is the live Blog on the Boys roundtable. You can watch us live, of course, on the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel. You can watch us at your own convenience if you are late or you have something else going on, or you can listen to us on the Blog on the Boys podcast network as well. I say us. There are a wide variety of BTV personalities here with me. I am RJ Ochoa. You can see, hear, and read all of these gentlemen across the Blogging the Boys universe. We will go in clockwise order, starting with David Halman, who I believe is vacation vacationing in the Poconos right now. Halman, uh, you look incredible, sir. Uh, great to be with you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, it's the off season, so it's it's vacation time and no better time to start than now. You do look like a, a Dallas Cowboys coach, and I know you have something in our queue um, working on the inevitability, uh, seemingly, of Dan Quinn leaving options for the Cowboys to replace him with a defensive coordinator. So hopefully we don't have to run that article. Uh, but if we do, David Hammond will have you ready. Tony Catalina, uh, we were all ready to run through a brick wall. You have one behind you as your virtual background. Uh, do you feel like you've been kind of busting your head into it over the last 48 hours or so? Yeah, it's been it's been a tough pill to swallow to be honest with you. I mean, we're so used to it. I should uh, I should be numb to it, but I'm but I'm not. So yeah, it's been tough. Uh, Danny Phantom, um, Papa Roach told us that the scars remind us that the pain is real. Do you feel like, I mean, like like is this new or do you just kind of feel like yeah, I've uh, you know, I, I I've got calluses at this point. You can't puncture my my skin. I would like to say that, but you know what? As prepared as I was for this. Uh, you know, inevitable outcome, it still gets me. It still gets me. And you know what? I, I guess that's the beauty of, of you know, being a Cowboys fan. But no, it, it stings, RJ. I would say the beauty is the community. Uh, we were talking TV shows. Community is a great one if anybody's looking for something to stream because obviously we now, now all have some time. Uh, the community that we have here at Blogging the Boys is wonderful. AJ has awarded 500 points to everyone for the entire year of fun. Vance has seconded that. Kevin has awarded five points, so not quite 500, for the whole crew, for the great fun you guys give every week. Uh, Ran and Lori, you had a newer show here on the Blog and the Voice podcast network this season, The Writer's Block, every Tuesday. That came out earlier today. Um, it has been fun, even though it's been really painful, obviously, um, here in the last couple of days. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jess and I, with the latest episode, we used it as almost like a therapy session for both of us to kind of talk it out together. And I actually feel a lot better looking ahead. I'm a big, big picture type guy. And, you know, there are a lot of pieces that are going to be coming back, like a J. Ron Curse that I'm excited to see third year in some sort of defensive leadership system. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel a little bit better now that time has passed from Sunday. The man's Brandon gave you 10 points specifically, even though uh, he doesn't want Doug Nussmeyer to be the offensive coordinator in case Kellen Moore leaves. He did have his interview with the Carolina Panthers today. Mike Poland, the Carolina Panthers um, are insignificant. I didn't have a great way to segue over to you, uh, but you are across the pond. So um, there's that. Whatever. Mike, thank you for joining us this evening, although it's like three in the morning for you, isn't it? It's OK. I have the warming glow of all your faces. <laughs> Keep me awake. 
that's really um, what we're here to provide, Mike. So thank you for being here this evening. Uh, Brandon Clements, um, I'm not a wrestling fan. You are. You have a wrestling podcast, and you're, you're all into that you know, kind of side of things. Um, what, what moment in wrestling history uh, is this Dallas Cowboys moment like, in your opinion? I would say it's probably the Montreal screw job. Oh, I remember that. I really Yeah, that was that was a tough it's a, it was a tough blow this weekend and this past weekend. I thought I, I thought the team was going to do really well and and we're sitting here and sulking about the big owl. So Mm. Um, heads up for everybody. No winners tonight. We're all losers because we're all Dallas Cowboys fans. So, you know, just just going to kind of sit in it and bake in it. Um, we're just here. Uh, Brandon, you mentioned it, you know, what this week's episode of the writer's block is. This is just kind of everybody get on the couch. Everybody sit around the proverbial campfire. We can sing songs, make s'mores um, and kind of hold each other and cry. Um, so we can kind of start here. Um, the opening question, Dallas Cowboys season is over. So how disappointing is all of this? Mark and Sean touched on um, hidden yardage this week about whether or not this season was a success for the Cowboys. And a lot of people have been asking that question. And so that could be part of your answer here, Tony Catalina. I mean, you can answer this one to 10 in your own words, but like, what, I mean, what, what is the overwhelming emotion for you right now? I think going into the season, right, I, I put a tweet out about it, and going into the season, we were very pessimistic about the way they handled a lot of moves this year. So um, there were some things that we didn't really agree with. So going into it, I think a lot of people, whether this was accurate or not, felt like the front office, you know, punted on this year. So I think the expectations for this team wasn't overly high going into it especially after week one with Dak Prescott's injury and just kind of the, you know, the snowball effect of how that felt people's mentals, but the winning can, you know, change that. I think the way this team started to play and the way the defense looked at times changed the narrative. So when it came down to it and you faced a quality football team, like the 49ers, a lot of the issues that a lot of people had, um, reared its ugly head and it came at a time where we didn't want to believe it would happen but it did there were deficiencies across this roster so yes i'm disappointed they weren't able to get over the hump like we thought they were but if we take a step back and take the emotion out of it all those things that we were worried about for this season were still true they were still there and ultimately they put us where we know where we're comfortable <laughs> where we've become accustomed to and that's not getting past the divisional round uh, Brandon Laurie, AJ says in the comment section, Dak has all the intangibles you want in a quarterback and none of the tangible qualities of a quarterback. Nice fourth round story, but the division around is the ceiling. I don't know that any of us agree that Dak has zero tangibles, um, Brandon, but I do think um, one of the kind of shocking elements that we're experiencing here is we're all kind of having to face some facts when it comes to Dak Prescott. We all kind of thought maybe he he can flirt with the Mahomes Burrow level, whoever you want to put on that tier. But it is it is clear that that, that Dak does have some limitations that I don't want to say maybe we were blind to, but but maybe we thought he he could rise above when he clearly couldn't on Sunday. And he clearly hasn't been able to in the moments that count the most. Yeah, I, I think that this season was a teaching moment for us to understand, OK, where is Dak at his level compared to other quarterbacks? And now we know that he's below the top tier of like a Mahomes and Allen, a Burrow, um, you know, even like a Justin Herbert is a little bit above him. I know he hasn't had that much success compared to Dak, but Dak has limitations. We understand that. And I think now we know that when you surround Dak with talent like he has in the past, you know, like the front office has. He has success and he will still win the Cowboys games like that shouldn't be lost in in all of this disappointment is that Dak Prescott will still win the Cowboys games. He just needs help. And I think that's OK to admit, like I said, like the whole therapy thing, like it's OK to admit that you're not at that level. 
Now it's on the front office this offseason to surround him with talent. We already were hearing that that people want, you know, more explosive offensive playmakers, you know, re-sign your own, maybe like even a Tony Pollard, you know, get another wide receiver in there. Something has to happen to help Dak elevate to that level. He can't do it all on his own. We saw this a few years ago when they brought in Amari Cooper. I think now it just kind of reaffirmed everything that he does need help. And I think that's okay to admit. David Hellman, if you have to pick the first domino that fell, that, that led to this particular result, was it trading away Amari Cooper or was it something else? Um, I think I think Amari Cooper really is kind of the start of it because it, it kind of added this pressure onto Dak Prescott of he has to be the guy that goes out there and is single-handedly propelling this offense forward. And, you know, the, the, the big story with Prescott this year was the interceptions and he you know, he had way more interceptions than he's ever had in his career on a per play basis. And, you know, at times it just felt like he was pressing. A lot of those interceptions were definitely not on his fault. You know, the, the one where it bounced off of Noah Brown's hands or even in this playoff game when Michael Gallup stops coming back to the ball, you know, you got to help out your quarterback a little bit on those routes. But, you know, he was still pressing a lot. And it felt like, you know, because Cooper was gone, because Gallup wasn't going to be healthy, even when he did come back, he wasn't at 100 percent. You know, he was kind of trying to press a little bit too much, trying to do too much, putting it too much of it on him, which is an admirable trait. But at the end of the day, it didn't really work out in the best way. But also, I mean, statistically, Prescott still had a good year. I mean, he was still in the top 10 in EPA per play, a bunch of other statistics. Like he did really well and he had a good year. It just wasn't good enough because, you know, so many other things happened in the playoffs against the 49ers and they have a phenomenal defense. But, you know, I, I don't buy this this narrative of like he can't be that kind of guy. He has clearly shown he can be. It's just, you know, this whole offseason we talked about, they were taking away so many pieces of this offense. And now suddenly, you know, we're surprised that he didn't go out there and single handedly do it himself. Brandon Clements, Tony kind of talked about how we allowed the winning to sway our opinions a little bit. We kind of got lulled into a false sense of security. Maybe it wasn't false. Maybe it was real, and it just wasn't as real as it is for the final four teams in the NFL. What would you say was that moment? What what was the win where where we all kind of allowed ourselves to to believe in the dream, so to speak? I think it was the week before with the Buccaneers. I mean, that game, that game, at least for me watching that, that was like the most complete performance I've seen from all. You know, minus Brett Maher, of course, but right. from all three, all three facets of the game, pretty much did a great job. I thought the defense was fantastic. Dak Prescott made a lot of people believe that he was, you know, maybe a top three, top five quarterback, which he still can be. So to me, like I, I was drinking a little bit of that Kool Aid, no, no question about it. But how can you not drink the Kool Aid with how they played this past week and they slayed the goat? I mean, that's, I mean, and, and they did. It wasn't even one of those games where. There, it was it was not even a question when you know the Cowboys are going to win. It was pretty much it was pretty much done right out the gate. That's just how great of a performance it was. And overall, the season I think has been good. I mean, I mean first road playoff victory in, in 30 years. I mean that's pretty good. Back to back 12 and five win seasons. I think that's pretty good. And 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 back to back playoffs first time since 07. I mean it's it's been a successful year. I mean obviously you want to see the Lombardi Trophy you know back in Dallas, but. Unfortunately, this didn't happen this year, but there's a lot of great pieces to build around. And, you know, if the, the, the draft goes well and free agency goes well, they make, you know, they make some, you know, savvy moves that they've done in the past. You know, you know, next year could be really good for the Cowboys. 
Danny Phantom, Vance Williams offers us a super chat. Thank you very much, Vance, and says, are we sure that Dak has limitations or does this offense have limited everyone? Hearing people say this is looking like late stage Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And there are a lot of bets that the Cowboys made, Danny, that, that worked out, that we all ate a lot of crow on. Brett Maher was one of them, despite obviously the, the kind of sputtery end of the season for Brett. Um, but the Amari Cooper situation, and, and it wasn't just trading away Amari Cooper. It was, it was the way they tried to hedge that, re-signing Michael Gallup, assuming that everything would be status quo, signing James Washington, drafting Jalen Tolbert. I mean, th there there are problems besides Dak Prescott not being the best quarterback in the NFL. Is that true or false? It's true. There are problems, but the, it, the biggest thing is Dak. It's, it's always about Dak. And I mean, this notion that Prescott's not one of the better quarterbacks in the league, I'm not even going to listen to it. You know, the guy, he, he didn't have a great season and he had a he had a bad finish. And, you know, we saw some of that going down the stretch and there was concerns. And, you know, many of us had those concerns. But Dak Prescott is still our guy. And but the problem is he, he, no team is going to win when the quarterback does not play play well. And that's what happened there. We could talk about how, yes, Cooper would certainly have helped. You know, having other playmakers certainly would help. I heard Dak in the it was the Aaron Andrews pregame show. Dak just straight up said, you know, I have I have enough weapons, and he does, and we saw that against Tampa Bay. And it's not something that the the team is hand, you know, you know, handicapping him with in any way. I think this is a good enough team, you know, and I think he's a good enough quarterback. It's just one of those situations where you know the other team played better, and um, you know, we're never going to have success if in the playoffs if we don't have a quarterback that's playing well. The lunatic Mike Poland says the first issue was hiring Mike McCarthy and not letting him install his system and telling him Kellen Moore is his offensive coordinator. Now, we've all um, argued and debated back and forth here on the roundtable and throughout blogging the boys whether or not we think Kellen Moore provides value for the Cowboys or not. That's kind of a divisive subject among the fan base. But Mike Poland, um, there is something to be said like, hey, we, you know, it, if you hired a world-renowned chef and then said, okay, here are your utensils, here are the ingredients, I mean, could you really fault the chef for the meal? Like, should if there's going to be a change, should it not be letting Mike McCarthy kind of take this thing his way and, and, and un, at the very least understanding whether or not that is good enough? Yeah, I, I mean, like, the thing is, is we, we know what Mike McCarthy is as well as an offensive coordinator because we've seen it. And I've always said this about Calamore is that he is <laughs> – I might swear a little bit here by saying he's reversed Jason Garrett. So Jason Garrett had a, a similar formula, but it was on the running game where it seems to be with Callum Moore, it's the reverse of that, where it's constantly passing game, moving away from the running game, which ironically this year is something the Cowboys were really good at, but he seemed to always want to move away from it. So you'd want, there has to be something else higher up the food chain to stopping Mike McCarthy want, you know, being able to take hold of the offensive control. And it's got to be from the Joneses saying, no, we will install the Callum Moore system. Go with that. Mm. Um, I stumbled on the segue to you during the introductions, Mike, but you set me up very well here talking about the run game and talking about instructions coming from down top. Maybe Mike McCarthy's being told to avoid the code red. Uh, it came out this week. Actually, it came out about not even 24 hours after the season officially came to a close. The Dallas Morning News reported that Zeke Elliott is willing to take a pay cut to stay with the Dallas Cowboys. This is the first year since Zeke Elliott has been a member of the team that he has no guaranteed money on his contract. The Cowboys could cut him, designate him a post-June 1st cut, and I'm rounding here, save about $6 million this year, and of course, eat $6 million next year. Again, if he were to be a post-June 1st cut. Uh, show of hands here, 
um, you can just raise your hand. Who wants the Cowboys to bring Zeke back? And that's obviously under the presumption that there would be some sort of rework deal we've got for the podcast audience. Uh, both Brandon's and Mike are saying yes. So Brandon, Lori, I'll go to you first. Why? Why should the Cowboys bring Zeke Elliott back? And for the purposes of the exercise, we'll assume it is a deal that we can all get on board with. Yeah, it's it's to me, it's the same thing about Tyron Smith, where I, I look at the deal that Tyron Smith has, and it's a very team friendly deal. And I do understand that you don't want a player to keep staying on the roster to be a progress stopper. Um, but I do think that the injury to Elliott that he sustained against the Lions, where he took the shot to the knee, I don't think that ever fully recovered. You know, he was still playing with a brace. I, I have confidence that he is somebody that will, again, you know, use this offseason to uh, get more, you know, just work on his body, maybe get leaner. I, I don't know. I, I think that him being like a veteran running back, maybe not used as much. Like if he's more about being like a Mark Ingram type, I've talked about that, how Mark Ingram and, and Alvin Kamara, they were a good combination between the two of them. Short yarded situation. And again, I think it depends on the price. I'm saying I would have him back, but it, it certainly depends on the price. Will McClay talked about on the Cowboys hour for DallasCowboys.com. He said that when these guys talk about pay cuts, he's like, that's all well and good, but what is that number? You know, it's like you could take the pay cut, but if we're not in the same page, then it's not going to work out. So if he comes back maybe for $5 million, $6 million on a one year re rework deal, maybe two years, 12, something like that, I think that would be feasible and serviceable. Um, but also the fan of me, I guess, doesn't want to see him go because it's more of an end of an era of Cowboys football and kind of moving on to the next chapter. Danny Phantom, you wrote an article today on Tuesday at blogontheboys.com. The title is literally Why the Cowboys Must Part Ways with Ezekiel Elliott. And you cited the things we talked or we have talked about many times. His yards per game have literally gone down every season that he's been in the NFL. Granted, the drop-off from last year to this year was minimal, but it is still technically a drop-off. Uh, obviously, average two yards a carry approximately over the two playoff games. Um, and if you want to speak in generalities, Danny, Tony Pollard went down and the Cowboys had nothing to do but rely on Zeke in the run game in a do or die playoff game on the road against a bitter rival to get where they haven't been in a very long time. And it wasn't like Zeke helped them out. Correct. And that's the issue here. And I mean, you can just look at it. If you just go back a few years and you um watch G, uh, Zeke, you know, break to the outside, you can just see how much juice he has then versus now. It's, to me, it's just, this is just the way that it is. It's, there's so much historical evidence that says, that, you know, the wear and tear of the running back, that's a real thing. Zeke is just, I mean, he's put that on display. Like, he's really struggling now. And the Cowboys, they I feel comfortable that they can go in and supplement better production on a rookie deal, you know, and enroll, package that with Tony Pollard and use those resources uh, in that combination than I would then. I, I mean, I love, I love Elliot. I'd love to have him in the locker room. He's, I mean, I've been a big table pound for Elliot in, you know, in, in many cases, but, it's just not smart as far as you the way if you want the best roster and, and it's just a move I think the Cowboys have to make it we can do, we all see it he just two yards of carry is is not going to get you anywhere you got to give I, I would feel better about Malik Collins in that playoff game on uh, Malik Davis and that um not Malik, Malik Collins. Collins would have been something very interesting <laughs> no that that would have been that that would be like Neville Gallimore in coverage but um yeah no I I but yeah, just get I have Malik Davis out there. He actually runs with more pop to me. So I think the Cowboys can find answers in the draft. Package that with Pollard. Use those money. Use that money in a smart way. So that's why I just have to say, you know, this it's just time to move on. Okay, quickly before just a yes or no. Uh, Halman, Tony, and Danny, you were all the ones who you know were team not bringing Zeke back. Are any one of you switching your answer if Tony Pollard is not back, or are you fine just kind of resetting in that scenario? 
Okay, so no, so nobody's like, I'm. I don't want Zeke, but if we can't keep Pollard, if they don't keep Pollard, then I have to keep Zeke. Just making sure nobody feels that way. Uh, David Hellman, Casey Hammond says in the comment section, parting ways with Zeke could be the thing that shows the rest of the team that you have to carry your weight to be on this team. Ultimately, it's just about holding guys accountable. Casey added, Zeke is sort of the Jalen Smith of the offense. Ha ha, kind of a little bit of a joke. Uh, all due respect to Zeke. I'm just speaking pragmatically in 2023. And David Hellman, uh, Brandon touched on it. Like, it would be hard and it would suck. Like, it's been an era. I don't think it's touched on enough that Zeke Elliott was drafted as the Cowboys' left Valley Ranch and moved into the star. I mean, he is literally the middle of the Venn diagram for important moments in this franchise's history. But there's, I don't think, Hellman, any kind of real logic. I mean, there are only emotions as far as the debate to keep Zeke Elliott on this roster. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. But, you know, what I always come back to is that's kind of how this front office operates. You know, Jerry Jones has always had the Cowboys be a family-oriented business. Literally, his family is the ones running the whole thing. And, you know, he has close relationships with all the players. And, you know, the realist in me thinks, not for a second, is Ezekiel Elliott actually in danger of being cut. I think that's why he's open to taking a pay cut. I think they're going to do whatever it takes to keep him on this roster in a way that's somewhat financially affordable for them. Um, if I were the one running the show, though, I, I would not only be okay with cutting Ezekiel Elliott this offseason and getting all those cap savings, but I would also be okay with letting Tony Pollard walk. You know, you, you just saw this year Malik Davis comes in as an undrafted free agent. He actually averaged more yards per carry than Zeke this year as an undrafted rookie. And it's not like he just had, you know, five carries all year. He he played some significant snaps down the stretch when he came in as a running back two behind either Pollard or Zeke. And you can that's what you can get from an undrafted rookie. Imagine if you go out in this draft and you take somebody in the middle of the round, middle, middle rounds in the late round. You know, you can find running backs that are going to be able to give you good production and at a high level that you don't have to pay, you know, inordinate, inordinate amounts of money like they are with Zeke. I mean, even Pollard, they're they're probably getting ready to either give him a big deal or maybe even tag him. He was a fourth-round pick. They've already proven that you can find a good running back talent without having to use a high draft pick or spend a whole bunch of money, and I would just go back to that well this offseason. Even their last running back, who they drafted at a moderate range or in the moderate range before Zeke, Joseph Randall, all off-the-field issues aside, was a very talented player for the Cowboys. And I think we all agree, had he been able to stay on the field, uh, who knows what happens. Maybe the Cowboys aren't even considering drafting Zeke Elliott in 2016. Uh, Brandon Clements, you kind of like topsy-turvied your hand. You were kind of in the middle. Um, what would sway you one direction, I guess? Um, I don't mean the band um, that broke up as well. But um, but what, what would push you towards keeping or letting Zeke walk? It comes down to dollars and cents. I mean, if you can get him in the range of what uh, what Lori was saying, like you know, five six million, get him down to that. I'm <clears throat> I'm good with it because to be honest, a Naheem Himes for Buffalo Bills, he's he's got a six million dollar contract. Cordero Patterson's making making about five, and then also Gus Edwards, uh, the Gus the Bus in, in Baltimore, he's, he was making about four and a half. So if you can get him at like five, I'm good with it. But I do agree with Hellman. You know, if, if the if the numbers are way too high which i mean I, th I feel like the running back market i feel like the numbers aren't going to go go that far up i mean everybody thought zeke was setting the market and it kind of went the other way not that many running backs in the league are making double double figure million dollar contracts a year so a, a guy that i'll just give i'll throw a name out there in the middle middle of the nfl draft this year a guy that i'm very familiar with he, he reminds me of austin eckler his name's sean uh, sean tucker from syracuse i think he'd be a great a great fit for the for the Cuse. And um, I think that that could be a direction you go with. But again, dollars and cents. If we can keep Zeke, I would love to keep Zeke. If, if five million, I mean, he could he could spell he could spell Tony Pollard, assuming he's back. 
and he can be kind of like the just the hammer and just you know he could be our short yardage back and and just you know let let Pollard you know handle the 20 20 to 20 and then you know if, you know Zeke comes in for the short yards and punches it in every every so often that's I'm okay with that I saw everybody was really upset about Kyle Brandt's rant about the Cowboys um, and equated Zeke Elliott to Mike Tolbert, uh, which was just kind of a can't believe we're at this place sort of statement um, uh, to hear on Monday in the aftermath of all of this. Uh, Mike, shout out to Casey Hammond uh, for kind of turning us into this conversation. Casey says, I'm very sentimental about Zeke, but I can admit that being sentimental is what made Jerry keep Garrett around for too long. Can't be sentimental when you're one or two key players from the gold. Now we have seen the Cowboys, Mike Poland make a few sentimental decisions over the years, but we have seen them make two. I think that were very notable. Um, the most recent one in my mind was finally letting Jason Witten walk. And I attributed that personally to Mike McCarthy. And I hate to admit this because I loved him. And I think everybody loves him still loves him. I love him. Uh, when, when the Cowboys let Des Bryant walk, they, they did not ever look stupid for that. As far as football stuff was concerned, it was unfortunate that Des got hurt uh, very early on in his career with the New Orleans Saints. So we kind of, you know, can play a bit of a what if game there. But but Mike Poland on the subject, what are the non-emotional decisions that the Cowboys need to make this offseason? And obviously, we've just talked about Zeke. So what else? What, what else do the Cowboys have to do, whether it's moving on, maintaining? I mean, how do they separate? the emotion what are the things they have to do in that regard mm, that's a good one i know i'm on my game yeah i know see now i'm gonna have to think it was casey uh, hammond i'm trying to buy you some time casey hammond was the person who asked the question so it was really casey who put you in this bind mike poland <laughs> uh it's gonna be if you think of the free agents is so there's some guys like that they've drafted maybe like conor mcgovern like the do has he shown you enough to keep him going which i think they have um so yeah are they not going to make an emotional decision there based on the past that he's been they've developed him but also the other one oh another good one would be dalton schultz although that's I a good heard, answer yeah i have heard though on the grapevine that he's not going to be retained Dalton Schultz, and, if he's not brought back, had kind of a poor final moments of his Dallas Cowboys career. Um, and and it's, it's, it's again, and I think me and you have spoken about this before, it seems to be the tight end position that the Cowboys are very good at drafting and then um, helping to turn into an NFL product and then release to the NFL into the free agent market. It's a constant theme. Danny Phantom, I'm going to come to you in a moment, but Tony, I wanted to come to you to talk about this. Kevin says the non-emotional thing to do is let Pollard and Zeke go. So we've talked about Tony Pollard, franchise tag him, whatever. It's unfortunate that his injury, the left fibula, is, of course, going to play a role uh, in his potential earning power, whether with the Cowboys or somebody else. But but Tony, we actually found out today, Nick Corte over the cap uh, has projected the Dallas Cowboys to pick up three compensatory picks, two in the fifth round, one in the sixth round, which again contextualizes how bad the Amari Cooper trade really was. Uh, but beyond that, Tony Catalina, the, the Cowboys are very, very well known for, for looking at pending free agents and saying that's a walking comp pick. They did that with Byron Jones. They've done that with many different players. Tony Pollard is a walking comp pick. Let him go. Give, give you the pick next year in 2024 and replace the way we've all discussed. But Tony Catalina, what is the non-emotional thing in your mind? And then Danny Phantom after you. I mean, for me, the non-emotional thing is understanding that this year they thought or tried to pre present Dak Prescott as the superhero that could cover up all, mm. you know, all the wrongdoings of the roster. I think they need to understand that Dak is a good to great quarterback who can make plays and be a star when, you know, when, 
you know, when he's on, he can give you that ability. But at the same time, stop building your roster that he's going to be able to cover up like all the deficiencies. Go out there and actually attack free agency like like we're actually in a window. This man is turning 30. I know that because we have the same birthday and I'm, you know, and I'm already over the 30 years old thing. So um, attack this roster construction with the same energy they showed us in the last month of the year or the last two months of the year really mm. they wanted brandon cooks they wanted ty hilton they were wooing odell beckham jr this is a team that i think halfway through the year realized like oh man we might be able to do something and you know maybe 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 we should put some guys around this now i think they need to go out there and kind of still have that same mentality you know there's no point in counting your money and, and putting that in your back pocket Dak prescott has shown you the ability to be a good player, but these other good players have people around them that can make plays as well. So it's non-emotionally change your philosophy on free agency Go and and take a risk. I mean, what's going to happen? Like if it doesn't work out, what are you going to go another 27 years without an NFC championship? Like, like seriously, what are we holding here? Like, I understand that you don't want to like go crazy and do stupid things, but at the end of the day, you have to find a way to get over the hump that we just have not been able to do. I would add that Jonathan Hankins trade to the group you talked about with, you know, being interested in Odell and obviously the T.Y. Hilton thing, Brandon Cooks, et cetera. Danny Phantom, what non-emotional thing must the Cowboys do this offseason? I think other than the obvious Zeke answer, I honestly think it's going to be another situation where we're going to have to let go of a, a fan favorite tackle. And I think that will come in the persuading Tyron Smith to retire. Because mm. if, if you look at the, the the cap that the base salary that he, he will command, you already know that Terrence Still is going to be your right tackle. And I honestly think that we saw so much great stuff from Tyler Smith that I think that those, those are your bookends. So to me, you know, I feel really good about that. I think you can find a, a, um, a left guard in the draft, and then you got your your offensive line. I don't think we can we can afford to pay. Tyron Smith, that kind of salary. And honestly, we were fortunate that he was healthy and held up during down the stretch. You know, uh, that's not going to happen again because it just it just doesn't happen. So to me, it, as much it, as it I, blew up in their face, to be clear, Danny. Like, I mean, he got hurt. Oh, they, they didn't have a plan at swing tackle and that blew up in their face and Tyler Smith saved them. OK, uh, it, 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 <laughs> for, for blowing up in their face, they they handled things pretty well. I, I thought, sure. They, I thought they did. I thought they they were well well more equipped at the tackle spot than I thought, and that uh, that was largely due to to just how rapidly and re- reliable that that the rookie was. Um, and obviously, Terrence Still is a great player too. So I mean, those those are your future ends to me. So I, I just think that as much as we love him, and and as much as he's he's still a decent player, just as L- LC is. I don't think we can justify paying that anymore. And I think it's just going to, it's going to be one of those things where unemotionally we have to just persuade him to just hang it up. Brandon Laurie. Yeah. I, I, to play devil's advocate with the, the Zeke thing we were talking about, non-emotional. Um, I do. I'm I, like I said, the numbers have to make sense for me. The production isn't justifying the price tag, but I do look at Jerry Jones as the business guy where he doesn't want to make the same mistake twice. And you brought up the Dez, you brought up the Jason Witten. I think they, really regret what happened with DeMarcus Ware, letting him go and then seeing him go on to win a Super Bowl with the Broncos. And I think that that will play a factor in letting Zeke stay or go because he doesn't want him to go. I know, but I'm just saying like, and I don't, I don't agree with that type of mentality, but I do look at it as he might not want to see Zeke hoist a Lombardi with another team, whether that happens or not. I'm just saying that that might play a a role into this, how he doesn't want to make the same mistake twice. 
Danny, you had a thought. I just want to ask the bottom row people with the, the, the Zeke people, and, <laughs> and and I and I love it, Zeke. It's just I, the orientation. Like Danny just, doesn't think yeah. less of you guys. Just to be clear, absolutely. So. But I mean, do you guys really feel good when Zeke gets the ball? I mean, do, do you still feel like he's got it? I mean, to me, when I'm at, when I'm thinking about this, I don't even know that I even want them. If he if he came back on vet minimum, minimum, I don't know that I want him to get carries. I mean, I just don't feel good about. The, the pop that he has. Do, do you still feel, I mean, 6 million a year. Do you feel good about Zeke getting, yeah. you know, th- those touches that, that's, that still makes you feel okay. Yeah. I'm okay, good just, with it. I, okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, he could be a very good short, short yardage back and a power back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two yards a carry. I, and I yeah. should just just to be clear to the yards per carry, like on the overall, he was their short yardage back. Like that does influence yeah. things. I think we're all willing to kind of understand that. I think we're all willing to say it's not like Zeke was ripping off 60 yard runs if they were using him on their own 20, though. But Mike Poland, you do trust Zeke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you just said it perfectly to answer Danny. It's the short yardage situations and the dirty yards. How many times we see this season and even last season where it's third and short, third and two. And the defense managed to wrap him up. The pile comes up and somehow underneath that pile, Zeke is over the game line and he's got you a first down. And it's not just that either. It's his pass protection. And I know a lot of people go to that. But this season, I went back and checked on 52 pass blocks. There were six other players uh, that had zero sacks with Zeke on 52 pass blocks or more. But Zeke had less pressures than all of those players. Tony, you raised your hand. Yeah, I just wanted to make my stance clear just before I got lumped into the anti-Zeke army here. Um, He's bailing on y'all, Danny and Helmut. I'm I'm indifferent. And why I didn't raise my hand is because I don't, like, how they handled it, I I think I can be like, okay, I understand on both sides of it. If you're going to put this guy on the roster and he takes, like, a significant pay cut, you're telling me I can get a guy who is a short yardage back who had 12 you know, 12 touchdowns and just under 900 rushing yards in a season where everybody is like, get this guy out of here. He's a bum. You know what I mean? Like, I'm okay if that's bum numbers. If, if, but also at the same time, 
I'm okay with not having Tony Pollard come back as well. If if you want to keep Zeke on a on a on a pay cut that, that pays him significantly less than what he's paying, and then use a top 100 pick on a running back that makes him the fresh legs, make Zeke kind of that spelled back there, and kind of use that situation. Now there's a lot less money allocated to that running back position, and you have a guy under control for four years on a rookie deal. I just it's a reset now, mind you. Everybody keeps talking about Malik Davis, and I think Malik Davis showed us a lot. If if Rico Dalla didn't get hurt, Malik Davis wouldn't even been the running back. You know what I mean? So Rico Dalla beat him out by camp. So that tells you there are some other guys and other options that can be happening. So just to make my stance clear, what whatever way they shake out, Zeke emotionally is one of my favorite players on this team. But if he went one way or stayed or however, I'd be okay with how they handle it. David Hellman, uh, I wanted to come back to this comment. Mob rules on the subject of non-emotional things the Cowboys should do. says getting rid of Josh Ball. I think we can lump Kelvin Joseph in there, too. I mean, the Cowboys are not a team that, that gives up on draft picks early on before their rookie contracts have expired. We, I think the most like infamous example is Taco Charlton. Obviously, didn't even see the end of his rookie contract as a first-round pick. So uh, Josh Ball, fourth-round pick, but Kelvin Joseph is a second-round pick. That would that would be a little bit of an indication, Hammond, would it not, that the Cowboys are kind of willing to take things a little bit more seriously than maybe we saw over the course of this season? I mean, I think it, it might be a bit of an indication, but, um, you know, really, Kelvin Joseph, his rookie year, he, he did not get a whole lot of playing time. Most of it was on special teams. The same was true this year, and you know, when he came in, I mean, you know, he had, what, two games before they really pulled him. Granted, he was really bad in those two games. But, uh, you know, in terms of overall volume, he hasn't really had an opportunity to show what he can do. Similar with Josh Ball, he was on injured reserve all of last year. Granted, he looked terrible in the preseason. And I'm not I'm not one bit worried or, or sad that we didn't get to see him play extended snaps this season. But at the same time, I mean, you know, he this was really his first actual season on the roster, you know, being in every single day, being in practice. So how much of a determination can you make about him at this point? I, I think, you know, to me, to just get rid of either of those two because of the knee-jerk reactions to the little bit we saw of them this season, that would be an emotional decision rather than, you know, taking the unemotional approach and saying, hey, we still need to evaluate these guys. And, you know, if you get through training camp, you get through preseason next year and they're still not showing it, you know, and, and there's someone else you want to keep instead, then you can cut them. But, you know, to, to just go ahead and, and say, you know, they're out now, like, to me, that's that's more of an emotional decision than cutting them. Tony Boston, Hellman says, I like this guy's hat that's talking. It shows me he takes his Cowboys seriously, but he's also down to have a good time. Uh, I do think that that is a fair characterization of your persona. Uh, Brandon Laurie, nobody brought this up, uh, so I'm going to bring it up to you. I think a non-emotional thing the Cowboys could do that I would appreciate is pay Trayvon Diggs and CeeDee Lamb. I mean, don't don't drag your feet. Get ahead of this. Understand the way that the market works. You're going to have to bite the bullet. You're not going to convince them to take some discount. You're not going to present any idea that they're going to swallow that playing for the Cowboys is worth more, et cetera, et cetera. Be forward thinking. I would love to see that with two of the most important players for the future, Brandon Laurie. Yeah, I would say sign CeeDee Lamb and then see what happens with Diggs. And I only say that because I do think CeeDee Lamb is the priority. I say Diggs is secondary only because... He plays in the secondary. He's got the, he's got yeah, the exactly, yeah. Right. Uh, because of what I saw down the stretch of the season with regards to when he had to make a play, right, even in the San Francisco game. It, and I understand the ball was tipped. It's a tough, tough play. But when you're an elite all-pro type cornerback like you were last season, like you have to make that play. And I'm talking strictly about numbers. I do think that it's important to bring him back. But when you're looking to reset the market for the cornerback position, 
cornerbacks like a physical cornerback like a Jalen Ramsey, he's willing to tackle. He's been proven to, to show that. Trayvon Diggs, at the beginning of the season against the Bengals, that he was the reason why they won that game. But down the stretch, I started seeing a little bit more hesitancy. Maybe it's a business decision type thing. He knows he's going into a contract year, possibly. So I, I do understand that. But I would say priority first is CeeDee Lamb and then get Diggs done second. Danny Phantom, you um, you know, sort of motioned your hands like you wanted to reverse this. But Sir Lord Commander says, pay Diggs what he ain't him. Um, I'm not young enough to say him like in the context that these kids do. But I mean, I felt really weird read it, reading, it, uh, reading it. Kevin says, I'm OK with not paying Diggs. Lamb is a must. But Danny, you feel opposite. You think that Trayvon is the priority of the 2020 draft mates. It's not so much I think he's the priority. It's just remember, we got a fifth year option on CD Lamb. So his contract year yeah. is, I mean, we... We got to get extra year to deal with that. So we're gonna we're gonna exercise this fifth year option, so then we can renegotiate that into that season. So that that in turn makes Trayvon the priority in that regard. That's all I want to say. That's a fair point, uh, Brandon Clements. Um, would you like to see the Cowboys get this done? Because there isn't a precedent within this organization, except for Zeke and the aforementioned Jalen Smith, of the Cowboys getting ahead of things financially. Yeah, I mean, I got to go with Lamb. Lamb's, Lamb's the obvious choice. He's had a great, great season. I mean, he he's a clear number one wide receiver in the NFL. He's a top, top flight player. You might as well, you might as well pay him a little bit early, just before the the ceiling starts rising. I just, I, I just think it'd be a good time to do it. And honestly, we're forgetting about somebody else in, in the back end. I mean, we got to, we got to pay Donovan Wilson. I, I think he, he's the kind of guy I want to keep around. He's a, he's a tremendous player, and he does something that Diggs sometimes I feel lacks a little bit. And that's tackling. So I like guys that can tackle hard, and he's he's a he's a he's a force out there. And I, I want him back with the Cowboys long term. Hellman, you raised your hand. Yeah, in, in all the talk about Lamb and, and thinking about these wide receivers, um, one unemotional thing that the Cowboys could and should do this offseason is reevaluate the way that they look at the receiver position, the way that they scout the receiver position. And this is something I noticed when they brought in T.Y. Hilton is. You know, their receivers, for the most part, are pretty slow when you compare it to the league average. They're judging just by like 40, 40 yard dash speed. Their fastest receiver prior to Hilton coming on was Jalen Tolbert at 449, which is not that fast when you look at all the different numbers that they posted at the combine. And, and it's pretty obvious that they don't really value speed in a receiver. And we're getting to a point now in the NFL where having a guy or multiple guys that can just absolutely burn you and take the top off a of defense is a huge priority, especially when you watch against San Francisco. They were just sitting on everything because they knew nobody was going to burn them, and they were bracketing C.D. Lamb because you take him out of the game, nobody else is going to be able to go downfield on you. So if they can change up their approach to that, if they can get someone in who, you know, no disrespect to Hilton, but he's not as spry as he was back when he ran the combine, you know, 30 years ago, um, that's that could be a whole game changer for this offense and give them something they haven't had in a long time. Um, quick show of hands. Um, just you brought up the name, Halman. Um, show of hands. Who, who wants to move on from Jalen Tolbert in the offseason? That would be arguably a non emotional thing. You could argue that it would be emotional. And, and like, okay, let, let me rephrase who wants to move on from Jalen Tolbert for football reasons? Because I think the only reason anybody's fine keeping him is because he's a third round pick on his second year, and 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 you never know. Okay, so everybody's willing to give Jalen Tolbert some time, just to be very clear on here. Okay, um, let's go around the bend. Um, Two questions. We're going to do the sad one first. Uh, Mike Pullen, I'll start with you. What was the worst moment of the season? And you cannot say Dak Prescott's injury or obviously the season-ending loss against the 49ers. And if somebody uh, shares Mike's answer, you can kind of, you know, cheer him on and say that's my answer too. But Mike Pullen, you're up first. Mm, it's going to be 
probably the saddest moment would be losing to the Packers. Because, yeah, I mean, that was a killer. We wanted to take Aaron Rodgers out. It looked like the previous game before he checked out of playing football. So we were like, it's there for the taking. I mean, even now when you think back, we took out Brady. Yes, finally, we did it. If we could just check that box on the Packers, that would have been nice. But we didn't manage to. So when you look back, like like people can say the Jaguars, but look what the Jacksonville Jaguars did. I mean, they went into the playoffs as deep as the Cowboys did. So you kind of can get a bit of solace from that. But the Packers is the saddest moment. Kevin says, uh, plus five, all deck had to do is score any points in the fourth quarter to win that game. I would argue that all the defense had to do was not blow 14 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's a much more difficult thing to do. Uh, Tony, I don't know what your answer is or if you agree, but Kevin says a specific moment, the Jags overtime pick six. That was a very low moment, um, especially because if you recall that sequence, the Eagles were flirting with losing to the Bears and we were kind of wondering maybe Dallas is going to take control ahead of the Christmas Eve matchup. Um, Philly wound up obviously holding on and winning, and that that pick really felt like things turned a different direction on the year. I, I I'm I'm pissed that he brought that up because that was my pick. It was that exact moment because I think it 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 started a lot of narratives and it kind of confirmed a lot of things that we knew that one without a doubt whether it was all his fault or not. Dak Prescott had an interception problem, right? It, it wasn't all his fault, but I think that kind of encapsulated that moment. Also the fact that it drilled him right in the hands and he couldn't catch it, let us know that our wide receivers were an issue as well. And that like we, we put too much stock in Noah Brown and his development and some of these other guys here. So the wide receiver group was an issue and Dak was turning the ball over it at an alarming rate. Um, and then you couple that with everything you just said about the fact that that might've, you know, caused them to not get the one seat that changed everything in the comp and of how the NFC was going to be uh, handled. So that moment right there was just the most ejecting, like seeing that ball bounce off his arms, walk into the Jacksonville Jaguars hands and just walk in for the touchdown. I'm like, this is just like, this is Cowboys in a nutshell. I, sometimes there's moments where I'm watching football. I'm like, this literally only happens to us. And that felt like one of those moments for me. Uh, Brandon Laurie, Janie says the Philadelphia Eagles winning the division was my saddest moment. Again, we're excluding um, the DAC injury and the season ending loss. Um, th I think you could kind of marry that moment with the Cowboys losing in Washington. And we all kind of went into that game saying, hey, you never know what's going to happen. And so for them to fall flat and that whole sequence to happen was a big bummer as well. Yeah, that that I definitely agree with. The one that I was going to say, and I saw it in the comments as well, I never thought I would be saying this entering the season, but that Terrence Steele going down, I think to me, was the saddest moment. And I say that because he was a big part of the running game, and as soon as he exited the lineup, the running game went downhill. It just never recovered to be the same aggressive mentality. And I, I he might not be the absolute best pass blocker, but when it comes to the run game, he brought a certain attitude that I liked. Uh, him and Zach Martin were doing very well playing next to each other. And I think that that adjustment period of Martin playing next to Tyron Smith, it's just they never were able to work that out as well as it was with uh, Martin and Steele. And I think Steele is a big part of the Cowboys future. So getting him back uh, would be great. Uh, but I do think that as soon as he left the lineup, things just kind of went downhill. Brandon Clements, what was your worst moment of the season? Mike Poland stole it from me. It's, nah. it's it's slaying Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's that's what we wanted to see. I mean, my, my second choice I'd have to go with just just pick it. Noah Brown dropping bad passes. I, I mean, and especially in that Jaguars uh, sequence, that just wasn't fun. So I, that that'd be my number two. But you got to beat Aaron Rodgers, and, and you don't even know if he's going to play for the Packers anymore. So I was hoping 
hoping to get that done before he uh, he left uh, Green Bay. David Hellman. Yeah, Brandon Laurie took mine too. Terrence Steele going down. That like like you said, that was really when the run game that had been so good for so long this year, it just kind of fell off after that. And the worst part about the steel injury to me was just the fact that it was so avoidable because the play before he gets hurt, Dalton Schultz gets hit right on his hands in the end zone. He ends up dropping it. Then the very next play is when steel gets rolled up on. So, you know, it was, it was doubly bad because for me, I've been a huge Schultz fan since the Cowboys drafted him. And, you know, he just all, all season long, he did not have the year that he needed and then to drop a pass in the end zone the way that he did in that game. And then the very next play, you lose steel for the year. You know, it was just, just kind of encapsulated the Cowboys season of making things harder on themselves and then having to reap from it shortly thereafter. I do think there are some like really unfortunate butterfly effect moments like that. Hellman, um, you know, in, in the Cowboys final drive in the first half against San Francisco, that fourth down that everybody thought are they going to go for this? Are they going to kick the field goal? And everybody had the Brett Maher kind of stuff. I tweeted in that moment that I would have gone for it. And I, I'm not like arguing this would have changed anything, but had they kicked the field goal, even if they had missed it, the next play, Tony Pollard got hurt. Um, and so you just wonder, had they kicked the field goal, had they made it, had they taken the nine, six lead? Like, again, I'm not saying Tony Pollard's presence, like hundred percent changes anything, but, but it is a really devastating game to play with yourself. Um, I see your comment, Watsamata, about your super chat. Could you please comment that comment again? Um, I don't know where it is. I'll look for it uh, right now, but Danny Phantom, what was your worst moment outside of the qualifiers? So actually to me, it's just the, the whole Houston game in general. And I know that's a game that the Cowboys won. And obviously the big reason is because of the Terrence Still injury. And, and I'm, I'm a big, I love Terrence Still. And of course, it's been heavily you know, stated about the effects of, of lo- what losing him did to the Cowboys running game. But I want to also say there was a couple other things too that, that really bugged me in that game. And uh, the, the big one obviously was Prescott's decision-making. I thought that some of the throws that he was making, it's like, this is very uncharacteristic of, of Dak. You know, all these other interceptions that were bouncing off of people and, you know, receivers not running through their safety. That, that, those didn't mean anything to me, but there's just some of the, some decisions that he was making. Then it made me a little bit, um, alarmed about that. It's like, this is not how Dak plays. But on top of that, too, it on the defensive side, too, the, the Texans scored way too many points in that game than they should have. And it, it made me concerned because I think that I saw, like, Quinn not being able to make proper adjustments. Like, when they had uh, Jeff Driscoll, you know, working him in and doing different things, it made me like, is that what's going to happen when, you know, Kyle Shanahan starts to do some weird stuff? Are the Cowboys going to be able to adapt? Are they going to be able to to um, make the necessary changes. So all the all the things I saw in that game kind of culminated into concerns that you know could come surface in the in the postseason. And so the, I say just the Houston game in general is is my worst moment. Um, you guys might not like this. Um, I think the Houston game is what like exposed us for being a little bit soft as a fan base. Um, so like there's been a a lot of talk this week, right? Like about like oh well, how come nobody's like you know getting onto Josh Allen for losing to the Bengals? And I, I mean I'm fine with that. Like okay, cool. But like the week after the Houston game, we were all like, how come nobody's talking about the Chiefs going to overtime against the Texans? Like that, the the Texans game turned us into like copium artists um, as Cowboys fans, which was really uh, frustrating. Uh, Mike, did you have a point that you wanted to get to? Yeah, just talking of Houston, I was thinking of another early sad moment was Dennis Houston because we were all wondering what was going to go on with the wide receiver position 
and he exploded in training camp and it never translated in the regular season so that was a sad moment um i found the super chat by the way watsamata said number one love you guys number sorry i got here late watsamata uh number two in reply with steel what is the restricted free agency rule if it means we get to match any offer what's he actually going to cost us 10 million dollars the cowboys can tender him so they will not in any likelihood um let him hit the open market um so you won't have to worry about that um you know that's just a luxury that works for the team. Um, I have one, uh, if you guys are okay with it. It's a weird one, though, uh, and nobody said it. It was Jalen Hurts getting hurt. Um, and and this is a weird thing. Like, I understand that, but, like, that was the moment. Like, that was the opportunity to, like, measure the Cowboys, to see, like, can they go shot for shot with this Eagles team? Because, obviously, after that, it was the Titans game and it was the, the you know, Washington game. And what was really unfortunate uh, and we didn't know this at the time was, you know, the Titans game wound up being effectively meaningless for the Cowboys. It was meaningless for the Titans. The commanders game had a little tiny meaning, but it, it wasn't the same thing. And so that was the last real chance. And I'm not saying like had the Cowboys lost to Jalen Hurts, then the season ending loss on Sunday in San Francisco would have hurt less. But it would have been nice. It would have been nice to have seen that and been able to see whether or not they could have beaten that team because the Eagles could win the Super Bowl this year and we could be sitting here and saying, well, the Cowboys are better than them. That might, that might not be true. Like we, we really do not know. We really don't know going into next year if this defense can hang with or handle, you know, the Jalen Hurts led offense with Dak Prescott under center on the other side. Is that a weird um, answer in anybody's mind? Nope, not at all. Okay. Well, you know, shout out to you guys for being correct then. Uh, okay. Let's end on a positive moment. What was the best moment of the season? I would like different answers. So you can't repeat what somebody said, uh, cause this is a positive thing. So we'll go back to, uh, actually we'll start with David Hellman. What was the best moment of the season? Um, well, because I get to go first, I'll take the low hanging fruit, which was, uh, winning their first road playoff game in, in so many years, almost uh, three decades, um, and, and doing it against Tom Brady too. And, you know, just the manner in which they did it. I mean, they, they made Brady look like he was a sixth round pick, you know, all those years ago. And he just looked, he looked off. He looked lost. He looked like he was seeing ghosts. The defense was phenomenal in that game. But more than that, Dak Prescott had the best game of the season, arguably the best game of his career. And the only thing, the only thing in that entire game that went wrong for the Cowboys was Brett Maher inexplicably missing four extra points, setting a record. So they they broke history. They set a record, which we don't have to talk about what the record was, but they got the win. They moved on. And it was just, it, it was such a fun time. And, and I was riding such a high that night and the next day. And, uh, you know, we don't have to talk about what happened afterwards, but that game was incredible. Um, isn't it interesting that like the one demerit and their like sterling, like best moment of the season was the player who wore number 19, given like all the consternation surrounding Amari Cooper, like that really was just kind of like an omen, um, in that sense, Brandon Clements, you get to go next. You can't pick the, uh, the Tampa win. What is your best moment of the season for the Cowboys? I mean, it was, it was a whole quarter, 33 points worth against the Colts. That was, that was a lot of fun. Wow. That's a good answer. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I, you know, watching that game, and it, you know, it was it was too close for three quarters, and then the Cowboys just came out and destroyed them in quarter four, and that was it, and made me go to bed nice and happy. Mm, that was the red helmet stripe too. So that was also like you know putting away a tiny little jinx, whatever. Um, that was also that gave birth to the Matt Ryan moment between he and Dak Prescott. That was go win it. That was super cool. Uh, obviously it didn't whatever the case may be. Danny Phantom, your best moment of the season. Can't pick Tampa or Indianapolis. Well, in that case, I'm going to take Minnesota. Um, I thought that was just a remarkable game from the Cowboys. I think that you know I, I, 
Prescott didn't throw the ball a lot, but he was super efficient. I mean, he looked really great. The whole team looked great. I think it was one of the one of the few games where it's like you just can't point to anything that the Cowboys did that's like that they weren't doing well. And also, you know, Minnesota at the time, people thought they might be good. And uh, so just going there and 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 winning forty to three. And of course, it was we could have even scored more. Um, so that was a, a fantastic game. And and you know, I just think it, it was it was like. Dak's back. Look how great the offense is. The defense still phenomenal, and just this is what you get now. Mm. All right, Mike Poland. We've got Tampa, Indianapolis, and Minnesota off the board. Where are you going for the best moment of the season for the Cowboys? For my best moment of the season is LVE finally shaking off the gremlins and being a beast. Wow. Sorry, like... David Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, we, we've seen what this run defense was like when we lost LV for a period, and then we see what it was like once he came back again, and he's completely shaken off everything, and he is the major priority to be signed this offseason. He's he's the main man, and for me, seeing him, because he, he, he did end the season last year on a high, and he seemed to come in, you see him go from game to game to get, and constantly, every, every week, he's the top tackler, he's stopping players on third down. Highlight for me, Seeing LVE finally uh, be true to that first round pick in Brian. Mm. So we had three games, and, and actually Brandon had a quarter, uh, specifically the yeah. fourth quarter against Indianapolis. So you just kind of picked like a, a long-standing moment that was Leighton Vander. So Tony, there are a wide-ranging sort of type of answers. Where are you going here for your best moment, or I guess best thing of the Cowboys season? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're looking at Dave, both Dave's really, um, they picked the two, um, the, the best moments in my mind. But if I had to say like my third favorite was the Cooper rush month that started off with, mm. um, you know, the Bengals game, because we lost 19 to three to Tampa Bay. What a, a cheat, by we, the way, you took a month and said, you really put Brandon I behind the eight ball. I can really specifically say it was the Bengals. I game took a season. That's true. <laughs> the Bengals just, you know, we knew what they are. I mean, look where they are now. They're in the AFC championship game. We had a lot of respect for the Bengals and for Cooper Rush to go out there to orchestrate the offense and to see the defense step up, step up and really kind of own that team for that time frame. Like that moment right there. I mean, this season's a totally different season if, if it didn't go the way it did. And it started with the Bengals game. So a lot of respect for Cooper Rush and how he handled it and for the defense to kind of take ownership of the season, the year, and kind of step up in that moment. That was also Brett Maher's kind of like, he really is legit. They really did kind of refine something in him. Um, and, you know, it's such a delicate time when you're 0-1. There's all the like, and now it's different with 17 games, but like teams that start 0-2, et cetera. And granted, the Bengals did um, and are now obviously in the title game. So, uh, wow, Brandon, Tony really screwed you, um, if we're being honest here. So Tampa's gone. Uh, I guess technically the first three quarters against Indianapolis are available, so you could take the Malik Hooker uh, performance from that game if you want. Uh, Danny Phantom took the Minnesota game. Uh, Mike took Leighton Vanderesh's season, and Tony took the Cooper Rush month. It was longer than a month, but still. Well, I love hate that answer because that's the exact one that I was going to go with. So he took that. Uh, and I agree with everything that Tony said, like verbatim. And we found out who the real red rifle is in, in Cowboys history. Um, but I have to say, honestly, another loophole, the entire defense. You know, we heard that at the beginning of the year that, oh, the Cowboys can't lead the team or lead the league in, in takeaways two years in a row. That's impossible. DVOA. Oh, there's going to be a drop off. No, they ended up being one of the best defenses in the NFL consistently. Now, down the stretch of the season, it kind of tapered off, but they were winning on defense in a different way with getting the takeaways. We saw somebody like J. Ron Curse 
Micah Parsons is the best player on defense, but Jaron Curse is the MVP, being the most valuable player, I think, on the Cowboys roster, specifically on defense. And you saw Donovan Wilson play really well. Dan Quinn, you know, elevated his game to where he's probably going to be walking out the door for a head coaching position. So I just love that the team for so many years in my fandom of the Cowboys, it's always been the offense is great, but the defense is just the anchor that drags the Cowboys success down. No, the Cowboys were winning because of their defense this season. And I thought that that was awesome to finally see. Uh, all very good answers. We had some really great ones from the comments too, that I wanted to get to um, not to just hurry through your answer, Brandon, but Samuel Rose says Damone Clark's return. I know I said here on the YouTube channel, I said, it's impossible. There's no way he's going to play this season. Uh, so credit to him, obviously credit to the Cowboys for believing. I love, this is a family show uh, says best moment, Zeke, the center. Um, that is definitely going to become funnier in time. Um, especially if he is released by the Cowboys, like all the aggregators, ourselves included, uh, will tweet out that day, like after the National Insiders report that Zeke's been cut, there will be like Zeke's final play with the Cowboys. And it'll be like the screen grab of him uh, playing center. I like this answer from David Smith. It says, oddball one, Micah running down the Detroit tight end to save a touchdown yeah. followed by a fumble. That's a really great moment uh, if we're looking for those specifically. Uh, there were a lot of people who shouted out Tony's answer for Cooper Rush. So kind of your answer too, Brandon. Uh, Samuel also notes, I was going to say this third and 30. That was really it. Like that felt like destiny smiling upon the Cowboys and for it to be T Y Hilton's first catch, um, man, uh, Trey Fargo says third and 30 slay. That's a really great way to put it. Kevin says T Y Hilton versus Philly say it. Um, so really, uh, really good one. Samuel says when Mike hit the McGritty, obviously after the Tampa win, that was great. My answer to be unique and different and avoid everything that's been said does involve Mike McCarthy. Uh, and it was ahead of the Rams game before the Rams like really fell off. And he offered the, we're nobody's underdog line. That was so cool. I, I mean, like, and, and the fact that they went out and beat them as, as soundly as they did. Um, obviously, you know, Mike McCarthy's stock has taken a little bit of a dip, uh, over the last few days, but like that, that was the guy's got a bravado and a charm that I don't think enough people give him credit for, David Hammond. I, I think as well, just another one that everyone will agree, just as a, an off-field sort of thing, it's got to be the tight end whack-a-mole on Thanksgiving. That's true. Uh, AJ Bada says uh, says winning on Thanksgiving, finally. The Cowboys had been kind of cursed. So, uh, uh, Howman, I mean, again, I, I tweeted this out after the Monday night win. The Cowboys were kind of the curse killers, right? Like, they, you know, Monday night in Tampa, they won in blue jerseys, on grass, blah, blah, blah. They won in the red stripes. They won in the throwback uniforms on Thanksgiving. Like, they really did put an end to a lot of silly, you know, goose chases that we've been on for a long time. Yeah, I mean, they put an end to all of the ones except the one that mattered the most, which was getting to the NFC Championship game. So, you know, it's, it's nice to get some of those monkeys off their back, but, um, you know, they, they still got work to do. And maybe next year, Mike McCarthy can get a slightly bigger chain. He can, you know, chain a little bit more of his sly personality. To RJ's point, I mean, be going through and like watching his press conferences, he has like a really good sense of humor when he lets it out. He's He can be real funny and it kind of catches you off guard. So, Maybe a little bit more of that next year will put them over. Um, I said that there would not be a winner tonight, but we ended in such a positive mood that there has to be at this point in time. But look, I don't know that you guys know this. I'm a little bit biased when it comes to handing out the winners here on the roundtable. Um, so tonight I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recuse myself. Danny Phantom, you get to decide who wins the roundtable. I am eligible, just to be clear, because I'm not involved in the uh, the handing out process. Uh, but you, so are you, Danny. So the whole field is is available for you. You, you don't have to tabulate any points, but you have to tell us who wins tonight's roundtable and why you can pick multiple people. You know how the show goes. I can do whatever I want. It's your award. 
All right. Well, I'll, I'm not going to pick RJ, but wow, it was close. It was a dumb idea. You just didn't have enough answers, to RJ. That's the you were you were against the eight ball there. So, I am going to choose David Hellman to select the winner of tonight's round. Wow. Well done. Okay. That is Coach Hellman, by the way, based on the way he's um he's dressed. <laughs> I think he has an episode of NCIS to watch after this. Hellman, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's it's waiting on my TiVo. Um, <laughs> So, so I actually have been tallying points all night, taking, you know, diligent notes. Um, and, uh, you know, just because I, I felt this, this moment was coming. So um, we actually, uh, we have our winner based on the completely objective scores. And it is Mike Poland. Wow, Mike Poland, congratulations. Coming out of nowhere, winning tonight's roundtable. What do you have to say? Do you want to thank Howman? Do you want to thank Danny? I mean, like, this is your moment, Mike. Uh, well, first I have to thank my parents because without them, <laughs> nothing was pretty possible. Right, uh, right. But yeah, I've got to thank uh, Hangman and all my other comrades uh, as well. They put in a good effort. <laughs> wow! So thank you, David. Um, I will be sending you a uh, a mini muffin basket in the post. Don't know what it'll be like by the time it gets to you from the UK, though. Um. Wow. Uh, Tony, by the way, Hamann says, yo, I was going to riot if the dude in the bucket hat didn't win. Nothing but good vibes coming from that guy. Um, that was really noble of you, Hamann, to, to fall on the sword and let Mike win. Uh, also noble of you, Danny. Tony, um, you sent me a private message right now that said you're pissed that Mike won. I said that. Yeah. You know, what? it was funny because I was about to give you a little credit there, and I think I'm going to take that back now. So thank wow. you for that. <laughs> uh, Brandon Clements, do you feel like this was fair? Like the transfer, this was kind of like a peaceful transfer of power that we saw, you know, happen in several different ways. I think I think the, it was the correct answer. I think I think Fanta did a great job passing it over to, to Hallman. And, and Mike, you're across the pond. You're 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 hanging out with us uh, so late at your time, and you should be sleeping right now. But you're with us, so guess what? Your answers were good, and you need some coffee, some caffeine. Great job tonight, Mike Poland. Good win. I don't uh, need caffeine. I have you guys. Tony, you raised your hand. Yeah, you know important. I. I I do want to. I do actually want to say this. Um, I do want to give a shout out to you, RJ, because it's been 18 weeks, 20 episodes, in season roundtable. You held it down every, every single week. A lot of crap, but yeah, ultimately for holding down for 20 episodes in this year, man. I just want to give you your props, Tony. It really is um, perfect that your internet was spotty as you were giving me a compliment. Um, <laughs> Naturally. Uh, I mean, like, it had been perfect all night long, and then it would, uh, it would deteriorate in that, in that moment of I all moments. The, I, I pulled the plug. Yeah, um, that made it that made it more special. Uh, just so you know, uh, Brandon, Laurie, what what life advice do you have to all of us as we venture into the off season? We're not going anywhere. We'll still have roundtables. We'll still have shows. Everything's staying the same here at Blogging the Boys. But what life advice do you have for people? Something to watch on Netflix? Um, you know, send us into the into the abyss. Uh, well, I was going to say, like my shirt, you know, we're all friends here. Uh, we're a big, giant community um, of Cowboys fans. Um, like, listen, the season, the way that this ends, it's unfortunate. But again, you got free agency, you got the draft. And before you know it, we'll be back in Oxnard. And then all of a sudden, the season will start again. And uh, yeah, it'll be exciting. But I do think, you know, again, a lot of the guys that blogging the boys and all these things, you know, being a, a good company, man, uh, we do a lot of great work that'll keep you, uh, you know, in Cowboys land uh, for the offseason. Well said. All right. Very quickly around the horn. Uh, we'll go in clockwise order. Who's winning the title games? Who's playing in the Super Bowl? David Hellman. Uh, I think it's going to be the 
uh, Chiefs over the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I didn't even ask you to pick the Super Bowl. You know, we have more roundtables between now and then, so it'd be cool. But I was just asking for the teams who are going to be in it. Uh, so you've got Chiefs and Niners. Tony Catalina. I got Bengals, 49ers. Joe Burrow gets his first one. Okay. Um, again, guys, we have shows before the Super Bowl where we will do right. the, like, pick the Super Bowl thing. So let's just be very <laughs> cool here. Uh, Danny Phantom, only pick the teams who are going to win the title games this Sunday, please. I'm afraid I'm going to say the winner. Um, <laughs> I, I'm taking uh, – no, I pick San Francisco from the NFC and Kansas City from the AFC. Okay. Uh, Brandon Lorry. Uh, I'm going to do uh, Bengals over the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Okay. And uh, uh, Mike Poland, who wins this Sunday or Monday morning for you? Well, not win the Super Bowl. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going the same as Danny. Uh, exact same. Um, uh, you had Bengals Niners, right? You guys did? Um, uh, I believe. Niners. Okay. Oh, Chiefs Niners. I'm sorry. Uh, Brandon Clements. All right. I'm going to follow the rules here. Uh, I'm going to say Bengals in the AFC <laughs> and the Niners in the NFC. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, I I am picking the Bengals to win the AFC and the Niners to win the NFC. This is not a complicated exercise. Nobody's um, picking the Eagles. That's I was literally about to say that. Nobody, <laughs> right? Nobody picked them. Um, uh, Watsamata says, "Wow, birds are not real." Um, so if the Eagles win, it will be a very long two weeks, um, and the Nick Sirianni memes will be something. Um, Tony Catalina. The final words belong to you. They can be a noise. They can be a song. They can be a rap. They can be life advice. They can be anything you want, but you are sending us out tonight. I love song. I love song. You want it sad or positive? I want what you feel in your heart. I feel in my heart. I'm tired of this, man. <laughs> I'm tired of having this feeling. This okay, let's go positive. Let's go, let's go positive. All right, let's go positive. <laughs> There's always next year. <laughs> <laughs> From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.